0: Hi there and welcome to the Fort Collins Symphony Podcast. My name is Jeremy Clavis and I'm here with pianist David Koromar. David, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be here, Jeremy. Thanks so much for having me on. So David's going to be performing Beethoven's fourth piano concerto with us and we're going to be talking about that today. David, how did you start out as a musician? What brought you to the
1: piano? I don't know how common this story is, but in my generation, mothers liked their, their children to take piano lessons. That was a thing. And I was... I was the youngest um, in my family and we were all very competitive. So when my older brother began his piano lessons, I basically fussed until they let me start too, even though I was too young by their light. So I was, I was six. The piano teacher really didn't want to teach anybody younger than eight. Basically the assignment I got was, well, if you can get through the Primer book on your own, then you can have lessons. So that's what I did. So I basically taught myself how to read music by reading through the The premier book. Then my journey was a little complicated by the fact that I really became very excited about playing the flute. Once instrumental music was a thing, which was my school was third grade, and by the time I guess when I was in sixth grade or so, I was studying with one of the best flute teachers in San Diego, which is where I grew up, and so I was very committed to that that route. And actually joined youth orchestra fairly young and and stayed in that through end of high school. What really flipped a switch for me and really sent me into piano as my life was being introduced to Earl Wilde when I was 12. He took me on as a student and I'm actually shocked at that because I think my background was not that strong. I had certain, certain strengths, but playing the piano wasn't necessarily one of them. And so to, to be one of, at that point, he was living in Palm Springs and wasn't performing a lot for a few years because of his health. And, I was one of his only students for a fairly long period, and every two weeks I'd go up and have lessons with Earl Wilde in Palm Springs, and he would give me an entire afternoon. He was just amazingly generous with his time. What was interesting about working with somebody like that, Earl was not somebody who had taught a lot of younger students. I think his experience was teaching people who were already quite accomplished. And I realized later in hindsight that it took me about eight years to figure out what he had told me. And there was just so much meat to what he gave me uh, in terms of basics of how you address the instrument mostly. And I still use a lot of that in my own teaching. Uh, so my, my my main job these days is as a professor at the University of Colorado in Boulder. And uh, I started working there in 2000 and it's been a wonderful ride. It's one of the things I, I realized early on in in my career at CU was how much I was learning from my students. And the better the students were, the better I could teach, or the the more I could learn in a way. Um, And a lot about how, you know, it's like chamber music, a lot of the sort of listening we do in a chamber music situation, because we're listening to other people, is teaching us how to listen to ourselves in a way. And the same works with students that we have, by listening to the students, we learn to hear ourselves. And this is a wonderful kind of feedback that happens and hopefully the the students get as much out of it as I do. I mean, I I think they must, but it's a, it's been a very interesting journey in that respect because I feel like it's so much a
0: part of my own personal journey to be in this position. When you're doing the chamber music and you're, is it that you're starting to hear yourself from other people's perspective or imagining that? Does that part of it?
1: Yeah. And you Playing, I mean, I have so much experience doing this over so many years in so many different kinds of settings and ensembles. A couple things about it. One is being inside another person in a way. A lot of what you do to play together with somebody else is to really be connected to them in a very intimate way. It's interesting as somebody who's, you know, spent so much of my energy over the years also playing solo piano repertoire and recording solo piano repertoire, I feel like, the chamber music experience is so rewarding because I'm not alone. And that collaborative thing, and this, this is true when you play a concerto and orchestra as well, the collaborative aspect of it is something that uh, it's a force multiplier. I'm trying to come up with the proper buzzword for that, but it is this idea that we're by being part of something bigger, we are becoming better
0: ourselves, whether it's two people or 60. So let's talk about the concerto you're doing with us, Beethoven's fourth concerto. Could you introduce this to maybe a listener who doesn't know classical music very well? What, what, what can they expect going to see this piece?
1: So I was going to lead this part of the discussion off by, by saying that this one of the reasons I'm doing this concerto in Fort Collins is because Wes Kenny asked me which one I'd like to do, and I said I really want to do the fourth because I've never done it. So I'm really excited about it. Um, and I, I guess... Maybe this isn't aimed at your brand new listener, but this is a concerto that if you start asking pianists what their favorite Beethoven piano concerto is, or even what their favorite piano concerto is, Beethoven 4 often comes up. And I think it's because there is this amazing combination of lyricism, drama, and virtuosity. You've got all these ingredients. And as is true with, with Beethoven in sort of the middle of his career, he's interested in doing some surprising things. I mean, I think the, for somebody who knows sort of the concerto repertoire, the most surprising thing about this piece is the way it begins, with a soft, almost apologetic entrance by the piano alone. when the orchestra sneaks in, in what seems at the moment to be a completely unrelated key. I mean, there's something just transcendent about that moment. By setting the the piece off this way, he's created a whole different drama from really just about any other concerto up to that time. Watch how the drama of piano and orchestra evolves in this piece. Another big highlight is the second movement, which is actually quite short. I think it's the shortest slow movement in any of the Beethoven concertos, by quite a bit. But dramatically, it's such a remarkable piece. The story that everybody sort of associates with it, which may or may not have roots in Beethoven himself, is of Orpheus taming the wild beasts, in which case the the pianist represents Orpheus and the orchestra represents the wild beasts, which I'm sure every orchestra musician wants to hear. in the course of this is that the pianist who is singing softly until the very end of the movement everything is marked to be played with the soft pedal down the orchestra which begins very brusquely by about uh, it's maybe two thirds of the way through the movement the orchestra's hushed like they're listening to the piano finally and the piano is being listened to because the piano never insists it's like this great piece of diplomacy you get your point across by whispering by making people come to you and listen and somehow the orchestra gets it it's, it's such an amazing concept for a concerto movement and of course the result of all of this is that at the beginning of the third movement which begins with the orchestra the orchestra is playing pianissimo and it starts like way over there you know it's, it's, a, it's such a surprise when that begins it also begins on the wrong chord which is another good Beethoven tone great. I think you can tell from the way I'm talking. I'm very excited about this piece. It's taken me a long time to come to it. I've played the other four concertos for many, many years, and it's interesting to to come to this one relatively late. Hopefully, with with more knowledge and maturity than I would have brought brought to it 20 years ago or 40 years ago, had I learned it then.
0: Well, I think whispering is, is perfect for the second movement, and you said it's kind of the an anti-concerto movement, and it's not. Just the competition but it's also like at no point in that movement is the orchestra accompanying the piano like they almost don't ever play at the same time it's right. it's almost always back and forth that's right
1: that's a that's a really important part of it it's it's just like the very last chord you know in a way mm-hmm. orchestra plays an e minor chord and the piano plays this little arpeggio
0: and otherwise it's always this antiphonal play going on it's one of my normal questions is how has your relationship with this piece evolved from maybe when you played it the first time to now? Um, So it's fascinating that this is actually going to be your first time performing it. You'll finally click in that, that fourth concerto off.
1: Right. Well, but the question is, I think the question's interesting anyway, even if I hadn't played the piece, because it's a piece I always admired without loving when I was younger. Okay. And it's only really been in the last, say, ten years or so that I've come to to appreciate it. I think mm-hmm. this is sort of like with the way I was with Mozart, who's you know probably my favorite composer to play now in a lot of respects, especially when you're looking at concerto repertoire. And when I was in my twenties, I had no use for it. I didn't get it in my <laughs> early twenties. It's just like, what's this all about? It's all kind of pretty, and you know, I didn't I didn't get the subtlety. I didn't get this amazing thing that Mozart can do and Beethoven does as well. So I think it's relevant of, of making the entire mood change with one note. And that's, that's something that requires, I think a certain amount of understanding. We, we look at Mozart as this kind of, Innocent genius. We don't. We look at Beethoven as a as a troubled genius. I suppose the music speaks. That's why we still play it. That's why we still care. And learning how to make that speak, learning how to listen to what the piece is telling me, so that I can tell you what the piece is telling me, and that I then have to have the technical accomplishment on the instrument to be able to translate that for an audience. And so that's a lot of stuff to happen. And in a way, I guess I'm the 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 sort of summary of this whole wandering answer is. I'm glad I waited. But sort of going back to what I'd said earlier about the chamber music experience and being invested in another person, when you're playing solo piano repertoire, you're looking to create all of those different characters and voices just with your own two hands and without any help from anybody else. But having had that experience of working with others really deepens the, the potential. There. It really makes you listen better. It really makes you understand better what's going on. Um, You know, in terms of the process of learning a piece, you know, the obvious difference is that I'm not playing all the parts with my two hands if I'm in a chamber or concerto situation, which means I have to internalize those other parts in some other way. Um, Generally, I'll sing lines, um, try to hear lines in my head as much as I can. But to really, I mean, part of my job, you know, in chamber music, and, and I think in a share this is true as well, although we, we leap, fortunately, we have help from the conductor with this, is to actually know what everybody's up to.
0: Fantastic. Well, David, are there any other, anything else you'd like to share with our audience before we close out today?
1: Um, just saying again how much I'm looking forward to this concert and hope that
0: everybody can come on August 12th. Absolutely. Yeah, August 12th um, in Fort Collins, we'll be doing Beethoven Festival featuring David Corvar performing Beethoven's fourth piano concerto. And we hope to see you there. David, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jeremy. It's great.